Holly Press. And this is the Hungry Artist Podcast. So we started this podcast because Emily and I recently graduated from our respective universities with degrees in art, her in fiber arts, me in acting. And we're both feeling a little lost about how to get our careers started, get people to start paying us for the things that we love to do. So we want to talk to other people who are already either steadily doing their work or figuring out ways to do it on the side so we could gain some knowledge and hopefully pass it on to others. Yeah, we hope that you find a little inspiration from our podcast. We hope that this is a good resource for you, and we hope you have a good time listening. Okay, so... Did you you learn anything good this weekend? You said you had a lot of ups and downs. Any, Any good career stuff, news, new roles? No, not on that front. Um, this past week, I submitted two, uh, three applications. One was a headshot and resume to the Shakespeare Theater Company for their acting fellowship. Oh, yeah. What's up, though? Yeah. Everyone, go apply. It's Shakespeare Theater Company. It's in D.C. They're really good. Uh, I think it's hard to get in. Yeah. <laughs> it's very competitive. So that, I, and then I submitted for the Straw Hat Auditions and the New England Theater Conference, which are basically, if you're an actor, they're just big cattle calls. It's a, you do a like monologue and song for a room mm-hmm. full of directors and casting directors and stuff for theaters in the New England region. I don't know what region Straw Hat is for, but the auditions are in Connecticut, so I guess it's that region. Hmm. Cool. So... Ooh. That's I need to, for those keeping track at home. That's the first three out of like eight <laughs> yeah. that I'm applying to. What about you? Did you learn anything? Oh, I also saw La La Land mm-hmm. twice actually, and it was amazing. It just that's how movies should that's, make you feel. <laughs> I I've, I haven't seen it yet. I've been hearing a lot about it. Um. Let's talk about the Women's March. You went? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about the Women's March. What did you think? It was absolutely fantastic. I thought everyone came with the same, like, mentality of why they were there. Like, yeah. It didn't really seem like anyone was there to, like, start shit. Yeah. You know, they all wanted to, like, be there and support each other and make change. Yeah, I, I was... I'm not, not surprised. I was very happy. I went in with very, like, little expectations. I, that was, like, the first... Well, not the first protest I've been to. I was in Barcelona one time, and there was, like, we got caught in some protest. Like, I don't know what it was for, but it was, like, super fun. And there was a drum line, and we just started, like, marching. Somebody handed us signs. We didn't know what they said. That's funny. Um, so I guess it was my second protest, but, <laughs> but my first American protest where I understood what was happening. And I I thought it was lovely. It was super positive. We didn't actually hear any of the speakers. Like, we just kind of wandered around for a long time and looked at signs. Oh, okay. So the next two days I was listening to the speakers, there were so many. So for we were in D.C., Right, we were both. Yeah, we were both in DC, and so that's that's where like all the events were happening. So it was just like really, really cool. Yeah, there were so many people there. I I heard some um, 
some criticism, and it was valid cri- criticism coming from black feminists that were like, some people felt uncomfortable at the positivity of the day because they felt like they had been so angry for so long and that people were finally listening, but that it like it still wasn't angry enough. And and I get it. Like, I, I get why people get frustrated like that. But I also think that if people had been angrier and, like, more upset about things and if it had been more serious, it could have ended badly. Like... I mean, people were smashing stuff on on Friday, like the day before, like, during the like inauguration. Two hundred people Be- arrested and stuff, and that's yeah. honestly that's not the way to make your voice heard. There's some famous quote about like when you shout, your words can't be heard or something, mm-hmm. and I think that's absolutely true. And I think that maybe it just wasn't angry enough for them for them. Yeah, but I definitely think there was passion and some of it was anger and I think anger is important to recognize and maybe they wanted an outlet for all of the shit that they've been through and that frustration Mm -hmm. but I don't think anger in the long run is what's productive yeah and anger for for a huge event like this it was just gonna end in more chaos because we I don't know if you guys ran into them but there was a pro-Trump fascist like parade that was happening oh, totally on the same day that. up the street so there was this truck they had these big like this huge trump letters on it and people were doing like nazi salutes on the thing and they were just there to get booed they were they were honestly there to piss people off because wow. like surrounding them was pretty much just feminist women's march people mm-hmm. and so like they were just there to like cause anger which is frustrating but honestly not surprising no it's not and so, i was actually surprised so I, I didn't see I, more i was that. like it was a lot i like it. it was like positive though like oh, she's like look felt- over the stranger and you're like hey. yeah and we definitely like, struck up some conversations yeah. there was a mother daughter in front of us who were from florida mm-hmm. which was like crazy because yeah. dc is so close for us yeah but there were people who people flew, flew so far. Yeah. It was insane. Very impressive. And this, I thought the speakers were amazing. And if I stood on my tippy toes, sometimes I could see a Jumbotron. Like, just long enough to be like, oh, that's Scarlett Johansson. Okay. And then sit yeah. back down and listen to her words. Cool. And I thought they were very varied. And the speeches came from different perspectives, which I thought uh-huh. were really, really, really important. And then... After a point, it kind of got to be about the same things. And we're like, yes, we're all here for the same reasons. Uh That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. So let's get to marching. Yeah. But they had a lot of positive, inspiring words for everybody. So other than the Women's March, did you learn anything this past? Yeah. I I had a big week as far as uh, job stuff goes. So... Did I talk about the apprenticeship on this podcast yet? Yeah. The weaving one. See, I know I know about it, but I don't know if you talk okay. about it. All right, so I'll just talk about it real quick. I got an apprenticeship for the month of March. <laughs> and um, it's at Green Tree Weaving Company in Ohio. going to be there weaving and learning and living on the farm and the sheep and I'm really excited. 
yeah, so I have that going for me. I, I got that intern or apprenticeship from meeting them at the Renaissance Festival. So one day I just like walked in there and they were one of the first booths and they had the loom up and like, I don't think it was ready to weave, but it, it had a warp on it. And so I, I walked in there like all excited about what they were doing and I, I started talking to them and like, weaving terms so that they understood that I knew what I was talking about and then we had this whole conversation and at the end I was like are you hiring and they said yes that they're always looking for helpers because they are constantly swamped so I got some contact info and that was back in I think October maybe September so we had a back and forth for a really long time and I kind of lost hope but I was I was being persistent, but very gently so. Like, we, we would talk maybe twice a month, like, at, at the very most. Like, sometimes we wouldn't hear back from each other for a whole month just because they got really busy with the holidays. I was busy, too. I wasn't sure if if a different opportunity was going to come along, and I wanted more than that. But then in... And that's where it's so hard to do. It's it so is. hard to be patient. Yeah, it is. So I, I had basically given up on them and right around the time where I was like this is never going to happen for me I got an email saying call us like tomorrow and so I I called them the next day and I talked to the the owner for an hour just about leaving and life and she was like well you should come out for a month or so that's so cool so yeah so um I think persistence and patience is what led to that as well as just being bold and putting myself out there and uh, always doing the job hunt, even when I was trying to have fun at the Renaissance Festival. It really pays to do that. And yeah. I'm so bad about it. And thank yeah. goodness. I'm bad my, about it too, though. Yeah. Well, some what, what happens sometimes is my dad and I are like each other's wingmen. Yeah. Because we both know that we're bad about it. So uh-huh. if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know me personally, my dad, Bruce Press, is a professional photographer. He has been doing it full time for a year, two years. Well, he's but been he's been taking photos his whole life. His whole life, like he's right. known what he's doing for a very long time. It's just but he hasn't been full time. He had a day time. job for ages. So we kind of push each other. Mm-hmm. Like we were at a rehearsal for a show at the Shakespeare Theater Company because my parents are VIPs, and mm-hmm. so sometimes we get to go to these special events. So the director of the show, like, sat down next to me because we were just, like, both watching the scene. And my dad was like, you should give him your card. And I was like, no, that's so weird. And, like, out of the blue. And it's like, he asked. But they're never going to ask for your card. Yeah, no. So he pulled a total wingman. He struck up a conversation with the director and then, like, kind of introduced me. Yeah. And so I just kind of, oh, also I didn't have my cards on me. Because they were, like, in my purse, which wasn't on the stage with me. But my dad had one of my cards in his wallet. Yeah. So that's also a thing. Like, carry your friend's cards. We should exchange cards, actually. Yeah. So he gave me one of my cards. And I was like, hi. So I know this is super weird, but I think it's amazing what you do here. I'm really interested in what you do. Uh I'm an actress. Here you go. Yeah. He was very nice about it. Like, Uh the worst... That could happen as they, like, rip it up in your face. Yeah. But, you know, if they're nice about taking it, 
then it doesn't really matter if they yeah. do or don't call. Yeah. Because also, maybe he'll just remember me. Yeah. Like, and then we if I ever come up again. Because you've been, like, filling out applications. You're probably going to keep doing it until you get one. Like, it's a really good so. gig. Until they cast me as a fellow or they cast me in a show, yeah. I will be applying to the Shakespeare yeah. Theater Company. If any of you are listening. <laughs> Allie Press wants to work for you. Because <laughs> they will never ask me in an interview because we audition, we don't interview. Yeah. But that is like a life goal. Mm-hmm. It is on my bucket list to perform professionally with the Shakespeare Theater Company awesome. and preferably be at least one season as a company member. Because cool. I've been going to see their shows since I was in like second or third grade. Yeah. And they are the reason I love Shakespeare. Yeah. They are fantastic. Like when you brought me to that Midsummer Night's Dream show, it blew my mind. Like yeah. what, what you can do with theater. I mean, they had mud on the stage. Like, it, like so many things about that show blew my mind. The costuming, the, the fairies falling down from the ceiling, like the acrobatics on the chandeliers. Like, mm-hmm. it was, it was the best oh, yeah. thing I've ever seen. And the like, burlesque-ish fairy yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, love that. Yeah, that and that awesome. they were in a warehouse the whole time. Yeah, they the were, course. like, backstage at a the theater. Was, and it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, the theater performers performance of Midsummer. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always love that show. It's so good. So, besides the apprenticeship, which I got, like, that was, like, a month ago. I have a phone interview for a costume internship at, I think, I I applied recently to, like, 20 different theaters, like, summer theater programs. Awesome. Because they all have this, or at least the ones that I've been applying to do this thing where they house you and they give you, like, a very small stipend oh, cool. for, okay. for the time that you're there and then you work and you learn. Um, so it's at Barrington Stage Company, which is in uh, Massachusetts. I don't know if that was in Philly. Let's see. I'm getting all all of my applications mixed up. But yeah, I have a phone interview tomorrow. So excellent. That's exciting. That is. That's super exciting. Because um, I always feel like I interview pretty well, and so once I can just like get to the point where I'm actually having a conversation, right. it usually goes well. Yeah, it's so hard not getting to that point. Yeah, yeah. Or like when I did my college auditions, sometimes after you do your like two monologues or your monologue and song yeah. or whatever, sometimes they'll have you sit down and then they talk to you. Yeah. And I always feel like that's when I shine. Like if yeah. you could just give me the opportunity to talk about what I do and why I love it, yeah. then you'll love me. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like I have a personality. I have... A decent, decent little brain. Like, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. I can speak confidently about my work. And if you just, like, let me talk to you with my voice and not through email, then, like, you're going to like me. Yeah. But it is is hard getting to that point. And there's a lot of patience and applications that goes into it. Yeah. Like, the SDC one that we were just talking about. Like, at least for you applying, you get to submit a portfolio yes but i for the first round it's just headshot and resume not Mm -hmm. even a cover letter which i considered 
putting in a cover letter anyway. But I also know that if I was on the other end, I would be like, bitch, we didn't ask you for a cover letter. Just do what we told you to do. Yeah. So I just tried to, like, make my cover letter or my resume as excellent as possible, which helps with my Shakespeare plays coming up this summer. Yeah. But that's it. Mm-hmm. So that means that if I get rejected based on that, it means I didn't have a good enough look. Or something on my resume wasn't enough. Yeah. Because at least if you get to the audition, mm-hmm. then you're like, you know what? I didn't sink into the role. Or I chose a wrong monologue. There's like a million and one ways you can fuck up a monologue. Yeah. But you're like, your resume, like, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe it's my special skills weren't enough. Or... <sighs> You didn't, didn't go to a good enough <laughs> university. I have no idea. You didn't have underwater aquatic fight training like Tegan, and so you're not good enough. If we could all just be a little more like Tegan. But I actually really do want to get combat certified yeah. on at least a couple, like sword and rapier and maybe bow stuff. I don't you know. have to take a class for that. Yeah, they yeah. have, theaters will have certifications. I know Stage combat people can ask because I'm sure there's programs nearby. I'm sure HCC has a couple programs. Um, That'll work. Yeah. So, but it's something that I've just like talked about and been like, I think this would be a good thing to do. Which I should just just do it. Follow through. Yeah. Do that. (laughs) So we'll see. Maybe that's something I can schedule for the summer. Anyway, but that's a great segue. Yeah. Tegan, Tegan Williams, who was our guest this week. Yes. She was excellent. I met her doing Shoemaker's Holiday at the Baltimore Shakespeare Factory, and she was great. Yeah. She had a lot to say. Yeah, she did. I was um, I was very pleased with our interview. It went really well. Um, she, yeah, she's super cool. She has a lot of great knowledge to share about her journey. She I didn't realize she'd had her a master's because she looks so young. She does. And I also, wasn't like I was a teen. Because it is like it is nice to know when you're figuring out where people are in their lives to just just to know, like just to feel better about yourself to hear that they're like thirty and you're twenty and you're like, oh right. Well I have like eight years. Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. Like, Calm down. Crazy amount of things could happen in just five years. Yeah. Like eight years by the time we're at 30. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, seven for I me. Hala turned 23 last week. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. There. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was really fun. And I think our listeners can learn a lot from her story. And yeah. Everything she talked about. And who knows? Maybe we'll have her back on another time to talk about. More about the feminist side of her owning a... Yeah, I, I was like... I was trying to like... Whole dancing studio. Push her to talk about that stuff. But she didn't take the bait. I should have just asked her straight up. Like We should have. She would so have been totally feminist about, about this? Just yeah. tell us. But yeah, we could talk to her again. Yeah, absolutely. Love the down the line. So, now welcoming our guest, Tegan Williams. So, how was your day, Tegan? It was pretty good. Did you cheat today? No, I'm on the desk today. Oh, okay. So, I'm actually very busy. 
That's good. Is it the new year? Everybody wants um, to. Yeah, and we do $5 Fridays, so our classes are $5. And sometimes, like, the morning is a little bit slow, but today, apparently, everybody wanted to come. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we only there's have... no one here now. Yeah, it's the downtime. Oh, okay. So we only have classes in the morning, and then they start again at 5.30. Okay. This is when I do all the boring things. Yeah. Gotcha. Paperwork. Housekeeping. Payroll. Sometimes I clean, do inventory. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so um, for our guests, just tell us who you are, what you do, what's your what's your deal? My theater background is especially, right? Okay, yeah. so uh, just all art all of your art in general. We want to hear it. Um so I have a master's degree in musical theater from the Guilford School of Acting. That's located in the United Kingdom. It was an accelerated thirteen month program. I went to undergrad at Nazareth College. I have a BA in theater arts with a music and dance minor. I also went to a local arts high school. I went to the Baltimore Actors Theater Conservatory. Okay. Where I was the only member of my graduating class because our school was so small. Wow. So right now I am involved with the Baltimore Shakespeare Factory. I am a company member, which means basically I have responsibilities outside of what a normal actor would have. So I coordinate front of house volunteers and, and the resident fight choreographer. So when I was in England, I got certified in 11 weapons. Maybe it's eight. I can't, okay. can't remember. Can you Does list that them all? I yeah. would like to hear them. Okay. Yeah. So I am certified in unarmed, aquatic unarmed, the screamistic, what? broadsword, gladius and shield, knife and rope, ray, rapier and dagger, quarter unarmed, unarmed and broadsword. I think I'm missing two. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I also, wait, no, that's all that I do for the Shakespeare Factory. Okay. So, cool. and then in my spare time, I run a fitness studio that specializes in pole dance and floor chair dancing. So dance mm-hmm. is a big part of my life. And this is kind of how I do art every day. Yeah. So is this your, like your main focus or are you trying to do the acting thing or are you trying to do it all? So my main focus is my studio, and I would say that coming out of grad school, I was all like, I'm going to do theater, I'm going to support myself during theater, and I actually was for a little while, I was working at Toby's Dinner Theater for about a year, and my dad got sick, so instead of going on other auditions, I was just kind of like being offered parts at Toby's, they were like, hey, come and audition for this part, I was like, awesome. So when they ran out of parts for me, because you know that happens sometimes in theater, Mm -hmm. I didn't really have anything to fall back on. Yeah. And my dad was sick, so I didn't have time to go on auditions. So my life kind of took a different path than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why I'm really glad that I'm involved with Shakespeare, because that allows me to still do what I really what I care about and what I love, mm-hmm. while having a day job that I also care about and love. Okay. That's amazing. Cool. That sounds like it's the perfect balance. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. I go a little crazy, because running a studio is hard, yeah. but... Um, I'm really open. I, I go to therapy every week, and my therapist is really like supportive of me doing theater, mm-hmm. even if my days are a little long, because she thinks I would go crazy without it. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So what are some of the challenges of running your own studio? <sighs> All the paperwork. Mm-hmm. So there's a bazillion things that you would never think about if you just come and take class at a place, like business licenses, tax licenses, paying your taxes on time every day as opposed to like, every month. And then mm-hmm. every year, mm-hmm. and there's also like client registrations that you have to file and you have to keep on top of your accounting, which is not something that I was very good at yeah. really ever. 
I mean, I can balance my own checkbook, but like a whole budget is not exactly the easiest thing. It's completely different. Yeah, it's really different. And then just like little things that pop up, you know, like, oh, my budget is great, but guess what? You failed fire inspection. You have to do a $500 renovation. I'm just like, great. So do you teach here at the studio? I do teach at the studio. I teach Tuesday and Thursday mornings, and then I teach a class, one class Monday and Wednesday at 530. And where do you learn to dance? So I've been dancing almost my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, I took ballet tap jazz, like mm-hmm. all those like standard, I guess, musical yeah. theater kid yeah. right. classes I took mm-hmm. like just growing up. And then I started coming here because I miss dancing. Yeah. And I too. <laughs> I used to work around the corner. So I know I used to teach dance for this my high school. Okay. So the we did it right around the corner and I was like, this is great. I can go to class and I can dance in the morning. Then I can teach dance. And if I can catch a class on my way home, I, I'll do that. And mm-hmm. I would sometimes do that. Yeah. So that's how I got involved here. Okay. So how did you come to... So what is your official position here? Because you um, say you run the studio. Yeah, so I own the studio. Okay, so how did that happen? So I was taking classes, and then I competed in what used to be our client competition, which is now a showcase. And then I became an instructor, and then about a year into me instructing, the former owner approached me about owning, and I was like, okay, well, give me a second. So I went home, and my, <laughs> my dad is an accountant, so we ran through a lot of like forms and he did all like the really heavy math that I not really good at. And then we got a finances together and I was like, great, I'm interested. And then it was about a seven month process going through lawyers and just changing paperwork over like little things like you have to change over the utilities and you have to change over the processing. Right. Mm -hmm. And what else do you change over? Like leases and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like a company card. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd open a bank account and mm-hmm. apply for credit cards, which is difficult. So when you don't, when you're not open, they're like, well, you don't have money coming in, so you yeah. can't pay this loan back. I'm like, but I will. But I will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so where did you learn? So this is pole dancing. Yes. Is there any, is it also burlesque? Like what else is involved? Just So we do pole dancing and mm-hmm. floor chair dancing. We also offer stretch and ball classes. Okay. I would say we're pretty like inclusive, like, like, a lot of people say there's, like, branches to pole dancing, so there's, like, the sexy mm-hmm. burlesque, and then there's, like, the really athletic, and then mm-hmm. there's the artistic, and then, like, the stripper one. So yeah. we tend to do, like, we don't strip here. <laughs> okay. Um, so we do, like, all of those things, and we teach, our classes are centered around a routine song every week. So the style of dance may change depending on, like, the song. Mm-hmm. Okay. A couple of years ago, someone requested the Seven Nation Army cover by Postmodern Jukebox, <laughs> which is really super burlesque So, like, those classes were kind of slanted towards that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then we have, like, other instructors who, like, you know, Sage and Shake It, like, what is that song? Like, Gas Pedal and Red Nose. So then that is probably a little bit more booty shaking that week. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So what what led you to this versus, like, any other style of dance, like teaching kids or... Okay, so, yeah, I did teach kids for a while. And while I love children, I love them so much. As a person, I do not have a lot of patience for beginner dancers. Mm-hmm. I would snap to agree, but I don't want to set off the mics. I totally <laughs> feel that. Um, so, like, it's great for other people, but, like, when I was teaching children, especially in a school, you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So you're like, here are the kids you're teaching this hour, and you're like, well, this person doesn't know their, their like, left from their right. <laughs> and it, I would say that 
trying to teach a child that is different than an adult because a mm-hmm. child doesn't understand that they don't know the left from the right. And then if an adult who doesn't know how to dance comes to your class, they're normally like, I don't know how to dance. So yeah. please give me like seven tries. Mm-hmm. There's a self-awareness there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just not something that I have discovered that I can teach another person. Mm-hmm. And when I had to, I like had to take lots of deep breaths and I had to smile a lot so that I wasn't like yelling at them because it's <laughs> not their fault, right? They, they don't know. It was great when I had experienced dancers. Like I had a teacher that already taught them like, this is your left foot. This is how you do a tondu. And then I could like teach them lots of things. Build off that vocabulary yeah. that they already had. But it's just not a strength that I have at all. And... For a while, I was considering getting, like, a Zumba license or something, but I thought about that. I just don't really like Zumba. <laughs> it's <laughs> I know, okay. Like, it's lo- lots everyone. of people do. I love Zumba, but I just, it's not for It anyone. can also depend on the instructor you have. That's like, so I've had true. instructors I've that they do the, like, cheesy, like, typical mm-hmm. Zumba songs. And, <laughs> right, and that's really, that's not as interesting, because, like, you, I've yeah. been dancing my yeah. whole life. But then there's some, like... Somebody we knew in high school, Jen Swiger, mm-hmm. she taught at a studio mm-hmm. and she would bring in like modern class, modern songs mm-hmm. and her classes had so much energy and she would do interesting, but not overly complicated yeah. combinations. Yeah. So she would repeat sometimes, but not like the same four yeah. moves, the whole song. Yeah. And I guess my thing is where I took Zumba, it just wasn't a workout for me. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is way too easy. I'm That's just fair. not going to do yeah. it. You, there's got to be like that. Yeah. yeah. And there was a hip hop class before it. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to take the hip hop class and yeah. leave. And this kind of just, they're like, Hey, do you want to instruct here? I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do it. And then I just kind of stopped looking at other options. Cool. That's fair. Do you, so yeah. like with Zumba, you need a certification because that's like a company, mm-hmm. but you don't you don't need one to teach here, right? So you just have to prove your talent. Mm-hmm. So we don't do like pole certifications, mm-hmm. and it's so the, because the pole community is so like I guess all over the place right now. The certification one place may not work for another place. You may not have the same vocabulary. So we do in house training. You do have to get like. CPR certified like on your own because that's not something we do here. Mm-hmm. But then if you're interested in, in instructing, we take you through a process which involves shadowing classes from a teacher perspective. And then you teach warm ups and cool downs. And then you teach the entire class with a teacher there to shadow you basically. Yeah. Rever- we call it reverse shadowing. And then if there are any other questions, like you talk to the instructor after class. Yeah. And we also have instituted monthly meetings where we're just going to get together for like 45 minutes to like talk and work on our craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) That sounds like a great process. Cool. So the point of our podcast is to kind of talk to professionals about how they got to where they are because right now, at least for me, (laughs) Allie, Allie maybe feels a little less this way, but like there is this struggle in finding out, how to accomplish your goals. So if you could speak a little bit more, if you were like in a place in your life, maybe like during school or after school where you were like, I don't know what I'm doing. How did you get through that? So that's perfect because I had no idea what I was doing after college. Yeah. Like zero clue all my entire life. I was like, I'm going to get to college and I'm going to get through college. Mm -hmm. And then finally my senior year came and we were in senior SEM and they're like, what are you going to do after that? I was just like, I don't know. (laughs) 
And artistically, I wasn't in a very confident place. I was not ready to be in the theater world out of college. So I actively started pursuing grad schools and my, actually my headmaster from my high school helped me like try to find a fit. And he knew the then headmaster or whatever English term equivalent they use. We call them the headmaster of, of the graduate program in Dean. England. Thank Dean? I, or a chair. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so they, so he put me in contact with him and I had like two rounds of auditions and mm-hmm. then I got into that program, which was what I needed. Yeah. Because it helped me be more confident. It helped me be more grounded. And I had like, my voice wasn't settled out of college. Like I mm-hmm. still wasn't confident. I wasn't supporting. Right. And that was nothing to do with my teachers in college mm-hmm. and more so to be like a personal journey that I had to go on Yeah, because my voice was changing. Mm-hmm. And like, what do you do about that? When you say voice, you mean artistic voice, right? Not like, like literal physical voice. I mean, my literal physical voice. Oh yeah. Okay. Huh. So it was changing. So like it wasn't settled. Mm-hmm. So there's like, I guess a settling point, And I was a soprano all through high school. Okay. And then when I was in college became a mezzo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I like all the techniques that I learned in high school about like breath control and like how to get over the tough parts when you're singing, how to get over your passaggio were no longer relevant because my voice was different. Yeah. Okay. And how did, sorry. Um, how did you know that your voice was changing? Um, my teachers told me, I would start to sing a song that I could sing in high school. And they're like, listen, you, this is, it sounds hard for you. Like, why don't we yeah. move it down a third? And then it was easier. Yeah. I guess I've experienced like very amateur versions of that. Like I'm not like a, a huge singer, but I definitely like my voice is not what it was back when I was singing more often. Than yeah. I, do now, I kind of went like through that with, with my teacher we were getting ready for an audition and there was a song and she, like you said, mm-hmm. she heard me kind of struggling. She's like, well, why don't we try taking it down? Mm-hmm. And I immediately like got emotional. Cause I was like, no, I know this song in and out and you want me to change it. Yeah. And it was this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and there was outside of that, like the singing part, then it also mm-hmm. affected my speaking voice. Mm-hmm. Cause they're like, I think probably you should be speaking at a lower tone or maybe we just need. So I had a lot of confusions and questions and I wasn't sure about myself. Yeah. yeah. And so in grad school, it was like, well, it was accelerated program. It was like, get it done or yeah. get left behind. Yeah. And we had well, voice, voice and diction. And I had another voice, I had another voice class and I had another voice class and it was all like we had accents and voice and diction so that mm-hmm. it was all focused on like breathing. And I was relearning things in my new voice, which would have happened in college if my voice didn't change in the middle of college. Yeah. So then outside of, out of grad school, I experienced, experienced it again because I graduated at a weird time. I graduated. I'm trying to think. I'm sorry. So I had a 13-month program, and then, so I finished in September. I did, we did a, we did a showcase in London, and then my school provided an additional opportunity for the American actors to go to New York and do a showcase there. So I did three weeks in New York in October, and then I came home, and I just didn't know what to do, because somebody was really auditioning, Mm -hmm. and I was like... I don't know what to do. Like, I was like, how do I find another job? Yeah. How 
like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. And then my, I was like, okay. So I found a part-time job at a, at a, um, a daycare center. Yeah. And then I started to go around on auditions. And I guess the light of the end of the tunnel was that no matter what job I had, my mom told me that what you do is not who you are. So like when I was working like a day ride, like the day ride shift, the daycare center, like where I had to be at work at six 30, I was like, okay, this is not going to be my life forever. Mm -hmm. And even if it is my life forever, it doesn't mean that this is all I am. Yeah. And that's like the biggest thing that I try to tell people because like a lot of people have jobs they don't like. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It doesn't have to define you. And I just kept searching and I kept mm-hmm. searching and I kept searching. I was doing a couple of shows at Baltimore theater project. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I, I did auditioned for two for Chicago at Toby's. And then two shows later, they called me back cause they're like, listen, we need dancers for King and I. Yeah. And so I came and auditioned and because I had a background in ballet, they cast me as Eliza and that's how I got that foot in the door there. Well, is Eliza a main part? Um, so Eliza is the main part in the ballet, the King and I ballet in the second act. Okay. So I don't don't know. It's okay. I lovingly (laughs) call it hopping around on one foot for seven minutes. That's basically what you do. That's awesome. So then I did a year of shows there and then my life changed, but you know, that's what it is. Yeah. How long were you in that, in that period of unknown? So in college, it was like the entire year. Like mm-hmm. I was like legitimately scared out of my mind. Like senior year? But, like, I my, think a lot of people experience I just, that. It's, it's so, I went through my period junior year. The unknown period? The like. Just a whole, just a period, a year long period. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is people yeah. would ask me, what are you doing after college? And I'd be like, I'm. That's I'll the hardest question. Yeah. It's so terrible. <laughs> Please help me. Because like I felt that way for an entire year. I felt unsure and mm-hmm. unsteady and like graduation week I still hadn't heard back from my grad school. So I was yeah. like crying. Mm-hmm. I was just like and I'm a, I'm an emotional person anyway. Yeah. So goodbyes are terrible for me. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm <laughs> leaving all my friends. Yeah. And then once I got into grad school, awesome. And then when I got out of grad school, there was about Half a year, maybe? Yeah. And it's not that long. No. That's not that, no, that's not that long. And then when my dad got sick, I would say it probably was another couple of months. Yeah. Um, but that that's a whole, like, like, there's a lot of things that come with that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a thought and just went away. It'll come. And yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> it's okay. So what, what kind of um, support did you have? You said your mom was, like, Mm-hmm. Being really cool about it. Yeah, so my parents, I'm, I'm extraordinarily lucky that my parents from an early age were like, you you be happy, you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And when I met other theater people, I like learned that that was not everyone's experience. Yes. Absolutely. So it, I, I know that I'm really lucky that I've had teachers and parents that have been like, you, you can do what you want to do. You can make it work. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, I was still really in touch with my high school headmaster through grad school. That's good. And, like, he was, like, a grounding block. I mean, like, yeah, I know it's hard now, but, you mm-hmm. know, you can get through it. And then in college, I had, like I said, lots of like, very good professors who would go out of their way and make sure that you were okay. Yeah. Which I think is important. Those yeah. people are mm-hmm. what help you grow yeah. as an artist because you need that, like, cushion and support to feel like you can make mistakes because they're like I got you yeah I got you and my uh, my dance professor professor um 
was also like completely different from me when I was in college. Like I was very, this very buttoned up person. And she was this free spirit that was like, we're going to meditate today. And she's <laughs> like, it's fine. We're just going to lay on the floor and just think. And there was this one class where she showed us this um, video of how it's like to have like Asperger's or like extra, like, what is it? Autism? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like your senses on overload. And she's mm-hmm. like, great. So we are going to explore this today. Pretend like just go. Yeah. So, and like having that support too. And then my, I had another acting professor who was, he was supportive, but at the same time, like pushed you. So yes. it was like, that's the best. Like, I know yeah, you can do better. Balance. Like, I know you can do better. Like, I know you can do better. And so that, that was, that yeah. helped me. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's really important. And I, I saw a lot of people struggle with it. And sometimes I struggle with it too, but like finding the balance between allowing yourself to be sensitive so that you have some kind of art that you can, cause it like requires yeah. sensitivity and introspection to be able to like do art. But then at the same time, you have to be tough enough for critique and tough enough for the business stuff. So and hard. It's so hard to be over rejection. Yeah. I think that's why I was so buttoned up. Cause I like, just, it hasn't been easy for me artistically. Like I've heard no mm-hmm. a lot. Like I heard no in high school and I heard mm-hmm. no in college and like all my, like my schools were not my first choice. Yeah. And so, like, it was so hard to be free and also, like, protected. Yes. Right? And that's yeah. part of the reason why I felt like I needed to go to grad school. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I am not free enough. This is not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where the not caring, mm-hmm. like, caring enough to not care is where it comes in. Mm-hmm. Because you have to go in with that attitude of, like, I don't need you if I get it. Great. If not, there is plenty more where you came from. Because otherwise, you're right. You do, if you treat every show like, I can already imagine myself and I'll sing this song and maybe they'll put me in this, you're already way too ahead of yourself and you've already committed your heart to that project and they haven't even said yes. And I've definitely run into that where I was like, I'm going to be. Annie and <laughs> nothing else but Annie will do. And then, like, I was an Annie in yeah. elementary school. And then I got Miss Hannigan, and that was way better. I think anybody can agree that Hannigan's way better than Annie. But you just you have to not care. <laughs> yeah. And you have to live in the moment, too. And that's why I also think that telling a theater person to plan out their entire life is very hard. Because you spend your entire, like, all of your schooling and all of your instruction being, like, be in the moment, like, be open. And then someone's like, what are you doing in five years? And you're like, but I'm in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I have kind of the opposite problem because I, by nature, am a planner. So that's junior year. That's what was freaking me out Mm -hmm. of, like, one day I'm going to have to move out of my parents' house. Who, I'm like you, I'm very close Mm -hmm. to my parents. And that freaked me out and I have this like imaginary plan where Joss Whedon shows up at a show and (laughs) discovers me and he's like you're perfect for this new show (laughs) I know that's not actually gonna happen so not having a plan and just being like well these are the next two steps that I know and then three and four will come based off of those Mm -hmm. that has been so hard and it's still something I work on yeah well I mean the thing is that I don't want to give the impression that I'm not a planner because I totally am. Mm-hmm. That's why college was great for me because they're like, these are the classes you need to graduate. And I'm like, awesome. These are the classes I need to graduate. Yeah. It's just like in life, I just, like I said, my life does not look like, like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. 
Yeah. Good. You never know where you're going to end up at yeah. all. Yeah. I, like, just very, like, two days ago, like, came to terms with, like, how long this process is going to take. And it had to do with, um, like, I took, like, spur of the moment, saw it on Facebook. It was, like, this webinar, like a web seminar. Yeah, and, but yeah, it was yeah. it was about how to get your work into galleries, museums, and how to write a good bio or artist statement. And by the end of it, I felt like, oh, my God, I, I know how to do what I need to do. And all I need to give myself is time now. Because, uh, like, up until, like, right then, I was like, there's all these things I need to do, and I need to contact blogs, and I need press. And I'm like, I don't have anything for press yet. Like, I need to build up my portfolio press first. right here, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, like, I felt like I had all of these things that I knew I needed to do, didn't know what order to do them in. And then I finally figured out that. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, I'll get to that in two years. It's okay. Gotta do other things. Yeah, I think something that really helps me is checking the age of people I consider to be successful. Yeah. Because then you're like, oh, they didn't land that role until they were 30. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. I have seven years before I get to that. Yeah. Or, you know, I think of George Clooney, mm-hmm. who he was middle-aged before he started, like, making it. He yeah. had a whole other career mm-hmm. before that, and you're like, mm-hmm. it's fine. Wait, what did he do before acting? He was an electrician. There's actually this Whoa. hysterical interview he did with some newspaper dude, and he went to the guy's house to do the interview, mm-hmm. and he heard something, like, strange going on in, like, the ducts or something, and he was like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll go fix mm-hmm. it. And he, like, crawled into the guy's, like, ceiling and fixed mm-hmm. this problem. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of dude he is. <laughs> Oh, George. Such a hero. <laughs> so, um, I have a, like, I have a whole list of questions here. Oh, great. Oh, so I want to hear about, like, a, like, a one time when things are, like, horribly wrong. Like, either, like, in your class or, like, at, like, some kind of production, stage production. But, like, any good stories? Like, a really bad story? Yeah, like, horror Anything? stories. Okay. Yeah. So, I worked at a dinner theater in high school. And I mean, okay, I don't want to, like, dinner theaters are important theater because it mm-hmm. makes people, like, go see it. Yes. But also, we didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we had, like, reused costumes, and I was doing this one ballet, and I, I, of course, had to quick change into my costume. Of course I did. So I am in the quick change room, like, being changed, and someone says, your zipper's not going up. I'm like, well, you have to make it go up. And so mm-hmm. they zip the zipper up. And I started this dance, and I knew something was wrong. I knew it was wrong. I knew, but I just couldn't stop. And so my zipper was coming down, down, down. And, of course, it's a dance show, right? So you don't really have a lot on under your costumes, right? So by the end, my my zipper is all the way down my back, and my partner's trying to zip it back up. He can't because the zipper's broken because we established that they basically had to break it to get me into it. So, like, I just finished. I'm just like, I think that everybody probably saw the side of my boob and or probably my butt, but whatever. <laughs> and I had a quick change out of it, too, so I couldn't really dwell on it. Where was the zipper? Like, on the... On the back. On the back? Yeah, but if you're not oh, wearing... Oh, it's, like, really... Yeah, so if it's a, it's a zip-up leotard, right? So there's spaghetti straps, and there's no place for a bra, and it's a little bit... Like, it's not load back, but you can't wear a bra with it, yeah. so... Yeah. Mm. Um, but good for, but good for you for going on. One of my favorite memories was when I was used to do ballet ages ago and I was in the nutcracker. I was one of the mice Mm. and I will always remember what 
professionalism means to me because one of the girls in the party seat, her hairpiece fell off, mm-hmm. her big curls, and everybody else just kept dancing. And when they got a chance, they would scoot the hair with their foot mm-hmm. until it was off stage, and they just kept going. And I bet you mm-hmm. most of the audience didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that people didn't notice my easy person. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little more obvious. Um, and then another, like, pers- I guess personal horror story. Um, I pulled my oblique right before my unarmed corridor fight when I was abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is an oblique? What's that? It's my side muscle. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's not something you think about day-to-day life, but, like, if you pull it, it hurts to move. Yeah. So I didn't know that I did it. I just found a pool, and I was like, great. Um, I told my partner, I'm like, I need to probably go find my instructor. So my instructor came, and he felt around, he's like, yeah, you pulled this, and I got progressively worse. Um, so I came to, to be the exam, and I had to take my exam. Like, I paid for the exam. I had to take it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, all right, so put ice on it, ice my, ice my, my side, did my exam, ran into the next room, and started bawling because it hurt so bad and the examiner was like are you okay and they're like no 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 her partner didn't hurt her she pulled her oblique this morning and it was like flat on my back ice on the side well it wasn't ice by then because they ran out of ice so it was a beer can oh (laughs) i was just like i did it oh my god i did it (laughs) the human spirit (laughs) that's awesome what, so what's the best, besides, like, what your mom said to you, um, what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, well, it's a tie between be patient and don't settle. Yeah. And so, like, things don't always happen when you want them to, but they happen, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be patient. I've never been a really patient person, but, like, hey, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just thought of another one, too. Okay, and then um, don't settle. It's the idea where if you're not happy, don't accept it. Yeah. Keep going. And then the third one that I just thought of as I was talking is, um, you are good enough. So it's something that, um, my favorite acting professor would say to me, he's like, why are you afraid you, you are good enough. Mm-hmm. Like you are good enough. And I wrote it on a post-it note and put it up on my, um, in my dorm, my yeah. senior year. Cause I like something I had to tell me I struggle all the time. I mean, I'm not the type of person that doesn't struggle with self-doubt. So to see that every day, like, yeah. you are good enough. Great. You are good enough. Yeah. Eventually it sinks in. I think we all struggle with self-doubt. Yeah. It's part of it's, the sensitivity thing. It's really something mm-hmm. that, it's really similar to something that my professor Peter Ray always mm-hmm. said of, you will do for the role. So, like, once you land the role or whatever gig, there's no use being self-conscious about yeah. it because, I mean... Easier said than done. Right. But there's no use questioning of, like, oh, I can't do this because... They chose you. Yeah. You will do for their role. That's what they said, mm-hmm. and that's why you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we heard it. I can't remember who said it, but, like, my professor's name was Matt Ames, and he's like, Williams, you are good enough. Okay, I'm good enough. Along, along with talk slower, that's, like, the second thing <laughs> that I heard. Like, you are good enough. Great. I am good enough. I am good enough. Yeah. As long as I talk slower, I'm good enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's totally easy to feel like, I shouldn't even try because they would never pick me or like I, there's no point in like going out for this role or filling out this application because mm-hmm. like, because I'm not going to be good enough, but it's up to them. It's up it's to them. Really, yeah. Um, I had another, I can't remember who, I think it was probably Lindsay Korth. She was the head of our theater department who said, always go on auditions, mm-hmm. even if you think you're terrible mm-hmm. for the part or for the show, like go yeah. for the audition because she lovingly said they might bump their head and pick you anyway. <laughs> it's true. It's also, yeah. we all 
think we know what they're looking for, but sometimes they don't know what they're looking for yeah. until you show them what they're looking for. Right? I have a friend who's 35 and um, is just now getting the parts she dreamed about in college. She's she's well, she's a petite 35, right? Mm-hmm. But she's like getting these roles like Miranda and The Tempest, which she's mm-hmm. like, I would not like. I am too old for that part, and. People are telling her, you are not too old for that part. Mm-hmm. No, I go to shows at the Shakespeare Theater Company in D.C. a lot. And if I checked the age of, like, every Beatrice, Juliet, Hermia, Helena, they are mm-hmm. way older than mm-hmm. me. I have time it takes, to play and those it takes roles. time to get good, too. Like, we all have to hone Definitely. our craft, of, like, quite a bit more. So It's definitely true. Yeah, Trying to, try to be patient with ourselves. <laughs> No, I have to play Beatrice tomorrow. tomorrow. It's hard. No, it's so hard. I think especially coming out of college where, like, I don't, we weren't guaranteed parts as theater majors. Like, we still had to earn them. But mm-hmm. if we were the same as a non-theater major, we would get them. Yeah. So, like, being cast in these parts that are, like, your age, like, right, or maybe a little bit older, going into the world where, like, oh, guess what? You're young. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I heard an interview with Marina Bokarin, who was in Firefly, and mm-hmm. now she's in Gotham. She went to Juilliard at, like, 17, and she actually says they did not prepare her for the professional role because of that Whoa. same thing of, like, playing the old lady or, like, you know, because they're working from a young pool. Somebody so someone else has mm-hmm. to do it. Right, somebody has to play the mom. Somebody has to play the grandma or the someone grandma. Someone has to be Goody, what is her name, in Crucible. Goody Proctor? Mm-hmm. The old one. I used to know this, like, back <laughs> yeah. of my hand. But somebody has to be the grandma. Somebody mm-hmm. has to be this, right? If you want to do a little night music, somebody has to be in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. But then in the real world, you can't play that for 70 years. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, and you have to realize that and take stock. And then that helps with the, oh, okay, I can breathe. It's not just me. It's not that I'm good, not good enough. It's a, it's not the right role yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to mature. <laughs> like a fine wine. Yes. <laughs> um, I think we went through all my questions. Um, That's great. Is there, is there anything else you, you do creatively that you want to talk about? I mean, dance, you act. Yeah, I do, I do stage combat, too, which is, I think, yeah. like, the, the, my greatest, I think, stage combat story is, um, so I got trained in aquatic unarmed because they offered it, right? And then... Um, Say a, aquatic? Aquatic unarmed, so fighting in water. Yeah. <laughs> fighting awesome. In, fighting in water. So single carrot was doing Phoebe in winter, and because the assistant stage manager of that show, stage manager show at Shakespeare Factory, she knew... She knew me. She was like, listen, like, we need a, we need a fight choreographer for this show. And I was like, great. So I met them, and I really think that I got that job because of, like, oh, and I'm trained in aquatic on arms. Like, I drown people, like, in the pool. And they're like, really? She's like, there's a on-stage drowning in Phoebe in winter in a bathtub. I was like, yeah, no, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be the first time I've used that skill. I'm like, great. And then that day they emailed me. They're like, yeah, we would like to offer you the job. Nice. <laughs> great. That's so awesome. like, do the weird stuff. Because sometimes somebody would be like, yeah, we can do use that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, I like, really I cool. like the weird stuff. I'm trying to get hired based stuff. on my weird stuff. You have a lot of Well, there's a lot of stuff. A lot of, like, also networking to, like, be nice to people. Because I would yes. have gotten that job in yeah. ways that person hadn't known that person mm-hmm. with that person. Yeah. You said single carrot? Yeah. I think I'm applying to a costuming thing there. Yeah. Might be an internship. Yeah. You should. They're really great people. And 
but they do, I think, important work. Um, Phoebe and Winter, I read it, and it was a terrible play to read, but if you saw it, it was so great. It was this very take on, like, how war affects everybody and not just the person who is coming back from the war, how it affects, like, roles in society Mm -hmm. via how it affects roles in the family. It was really interesting, and I'm really glad people got to see it. I remember when that came out. I feel like maybe I had some Towson friends who were in it. Hmm. Probably. Probably. (laughs) The same people get around. I think I think we got a wrap. Yeah, I think so. It's been yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Is there yeah, anything you awesome. want to plug? Website? Oh, oh yeah. So whatever. Um, if you want to take classes here, um, it's exposedfitness.com. We have classes every day of the week. There's no, there is a beginner class every day of the week except for Sunday. So if you want to do a beginner poll, don't come on Sunday. But we do offer floor chair every day. Okay, awesome. awesome. Thank you, Tegan. Thank you, guys. And I'm Allie Press. You can find me at alliepress.net or as Daughter Pick on all social social media platforms. So that's D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K. And I'm Emily Luking. I have a website. It's www.emilyluking.com. And then you can follow me on Instagram if you want to see my art at emily.luking. Looking is L-U-K-I-N-G. All the things, every link that we have possibly mentioned throughout this will be in the description and on our blog. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, requests, or anything else, you can email the Hungry Artists at thehungryartistspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.